Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody, welcome back to the Total Screamers. Uh, I'm Sybil, joined by Jake. Say hello, Jake. Hello, guys. Welcome back. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. We took a wee, wee, uh, a wee week for admin, didn't we, Jake? Yeah, we took uh, a bit so of a sabbatical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a uh, Yeah, we've got some, some cool things coming, though, don't we? We've got a, a community Discord coming where you can talk about football, uh, book, guest spots, and, and all that sort of cool stuff. Uh, we'll do our giveaways on there as well. We've got two giveaways coming up. We've got a Barcelona shirt and a, and a Bayern Munich shirt coming out uh, that's, that's going to be given away, which is which is really cool. Uh, we've also got a website coming that we're just kind of doing work on. That should be ready for next week. So a lot of cool stuff coming. Uh, we're going to maybe branch into doing some written pieces about football as well. Uh, but going away from that, Manchester Derby. What do you think, Jake? Well, I mean, do you know what? I'm excited. Um, I think these games are always good, aren't they? But I feel like this season it's going to have a bit of extra implication to it. I feel like. This is like it's a mass. Obviously, it's a massive game, anyway. Anyway, but I feel like this season it's it's particularly got a bit of crunch to it. I think so. Both sides are kind of under a wee bit of pressure. Probably Ollie more so than Pep, following his um, Champions League crash out. Um, Pep's kind of finding his rhythm in the league, although it's off the back of a couple of easy games. And uh, we're talking about it the uh, last week. Uh, Burnley as a, a winnable game always for Man <laughs> Man City with a what is it twenty eight to one. Yeah, in their last what, five games, which is which is just crazy. So I think the pressure is kind of handed over to Ollie for this match, especially since he's came out and talked quite positively about how he actually wants uh, a match of this magnitude following his exit for the Champions League. Uh, but I'm not really sure he does. <laughs> Do you know what, though? I always feel like Man United perform, but obviously better in the midweek. They always seem to perform when they really, really need to. and. Um, I feel like this is potentially. I think the opposite of what you just said. I think. I think it's just a good game for him. I reckon it will go one or two ways. Though it will be 
you know, United will win it or they'll get absolutely battered. I don't think there's an in-between in this game. I think it, it will go either one one or the other. I don't think this has got a draw on it at all. I don't think so. I think it's going to be a draw. I've got to disagree, though. I think I would have totally agreed if you had City been doing their usual, having their usual season, where they'd be at, like, 40 or 50 goals by this point. <laughs> if they were having that sort of season, I would definitely kind of call it that Manchester United got a shot. But I don't think we're going to see any sort of complacency from... Um, from Man City, from this Man City side, uh, they've got surprisingly so. They, they've, Raheem Sterling and Gabriel Jesus are both yet to score in the Manchester uh, derby. Yeah, do you know, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I was reading that um, that Sterling's played something like I think he's played six sixteen games, sixteen uh, Premier League appearances against Man United. And he's never scored. Um, so that's obviously with Liverpool as well. He's never ever scored against them, which I thought was mental. Uh, yeah, same. It's like one of those things you're reading; you just don't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> it's proper on paper, but it's true. Um, I don't know if that's going to incentivise him to go on and score and find some form. I mean, it's kind of having that season where. Raheem Sterling last season was definitely the start of the show and, and the, the one everybody was talking about. I think that's kind of lent a wee bit more over to Mares because Mares is just just looks so good. He's just so exciting to watch. Um, I mean, Sterling's form is kind of. I mean, he's still he's still obviously a top class player when you watch him, but he's not maybe of the form he was last season. Yeah, no, he's he's. I think that's the good thing about this Man City squad, though, isn't it? When one of their players sort of dips out of form, they've always got that reliance that someone else will step up and do that and. Sterling's dropped out and Mares has come in and he, he yeah, like you say, he looks unplayable at the minute as well, Mares, doesn't he? So it's Liverpool esque. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. in terms of the uh, instrumental to, to their Champions League win and the Premier League win is that, you know, if Mo Salah was having a bad game, Mania Firmino would be there to step up, vice versa. Yeah. Um, and that front three was sort of pivotal. Uh, I think missing Aguero, obviously you can tell <laughs> you can tell just how much of their game they're missing. Um I don't know whether they're going to... I wanted to touch on backline. I was listening to Talk Sport yesterday or the day before where they were on about um, they still need to replace someone who's on the radio saying they need to replace Vincent Company. And I was like, come on, are you joking? Spent fucking £120 million on centre-backs as he's left. Seems to be... Seems to be like the tale of their see, like their sort of woe, doesn't it? Whenever I always see it on Twitter, whenever you know City have a bit of a nightmare, everyone's like, "Oh, we've not replaced company." It's like, well, what have you spent like five hundred million pounds worth of defenders on them? You know? <laughs> Who are you replacing when you're spending seventy million quid on a centre back or fifty million quid on a right back? It's like you know, you you can't keep saying this over and over again <laughs> every time you lose a game. Oh, we need to replace companies. You know, that should have been sorted out years ago. It's a fucking, it's a cop out to say that I've not replaced. I mean, they went and got Ruben Diaz, possibly like one of the most expensive defenders in the world for, for any team to buy. Um, uh, they've also got, you know, they spent that, what was it, 50 million, 40 million, 50 million on Nathan Aki? Yeah, uh, I mean, million yeah, on yeah, exactly, mate. Uh, and obviously, Laporte's back as well. Um, I, I just, I'm not having it, mate. I'm not having that they've not replaced company. Uh, yeah, I mean, who, right. who else in the world are they going to buy? I mean, there, there's no, there's no feasible um, centre back that they can buy that's going to, that's going to do a better job than Ruben Diaz, Laporte, Nathan Aki, or George Stones. I mean, I mean, when I say that, I mean feasible, as in they're not going to go get a Van Dyke, Cooler Valley, clearly, clearly everybody's price range at the minute. Um, you know, other players that probably look at sort of man, look, look like Man City signings, like Delet and stuff like that. They've just recently signed for other sides like Juventus. So I, I just don't really see that there's any other feasible centre back that they could have went and got 
that, that would be the so-called <laughs> replacement for Vincent Company. Oh, I, I agree with you. Completely agree with you. I don't think, like you say, there's no one they can realistically go out and sign that would, you know, in inverted commas, replace Company. You're never going to replace someone like that, but you have to expect other players to step up and fill that gap. Uh, Laporte's done it. Like, don't get me wrong, he's brilliant, but he's been doing the business for years, haven't he? That's it. You know, he, he he's clearly worked on it, but he needs a partner now. So it's finding that partner, and you know, they they've definitely bought enough centre backs to potentially find a partner for him. <laughs> well, at least he didn't buy Harry Maguire. Actually, <laughs> someone was on the radio saying um, <laughs> that Harry Maguire they would have dodged a city fan would say they dodged a bullet. I mean, yeah. I don't know if he would still be playing the way... Because it, it seems to positive things from Maguire and, a, and an England shot and an Leicester shot. Um, but he looks just so bad for United. I mean, Jesus. And do you know what? Um, when you've got Marcus Rashford, um, and I'm talking about the captain situation here, not that centre-back. So Marcus Rashford, you know, the stuff he does on the pitch, which is he's always he's always good. Granted, he's had, a, he's, he's had his back injury this season. But still, every time I see him, he still looks really dangerous. Um, even when he is living on scraps, uh, he still looks dangerous. Um, the stuff he's doing off the pitch, obviously that the MBE, the, the feeding one point three million children that are, that are poor. It's just the stuff he's doing is just crazy. I have so much respect for that dude. And I think any team, any football fan should be should feel privileged to have a player like that that does that business on the pitch and off the pitch. They should feel privileged to have a player play for them like that. Uh, but for some reason, Harry Maguire is terrible on the pitch and he's a fucking idiot. Off it. That stuff about getting arrested on Greece. And, and Greece try to buy a fucking 15 grand bottle of fucking whatever and then kick it off and it's not coming. I mean, come on, give me a break. Give me a fucking break, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like, the, 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 there's two captains for me in that team and one of them's not Maguire and the other one's Bruno Fernandes, Marcus Rashford. I think that's only feasible. And I, I know, like, people are just like, oh, it's just an armband. It doesn't really mean anything. Well, it does. It does, because you think of any good side and tell me that they have a world-class captain. That's it. You know, like you say, you look back, you know, we'll just talk about Man United, we'll go back and, you know, Ferdinand, Fidic, Roy Keane, you know, they're, those names, they're synonymous with that club, aren't they? You know, like, you, you knew when they put that armband on that they meant business and, you know, United were going to go out and they were going to fight for every ball. They were going to fight and they were going to be hungry and they weren't going to give an inch on the pitch. But now, you know, like you say, you look at, you know, Maguire and you just... Yeah, who are the leaders in that side? This is it. You, you know, you look at that squad and you go, right, who's going to step up when the chips are down and say, get hold of this game and say, right, we need to do this. For me, it's, you know, it's only, you could say Fernandez does it on the pitch, but then does he need the armband? You know, he's one of those, isn't he? Like, he doesn't need it, that's the thing. He doesn't, he yeah, doesn't, really does he doesn't it. need the but armband. I think with the leaders in that side, you're, 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 you're stretched to find them, and that's why I was highlighting uh, Bruno Fernandez and Marcus Rashford, because outside that, I don't really think of those. I mean, Scott McTominay, probably, but I don't think he has the natural ability to, no. to lead he's not on that side. Absolutely. Uh, although I think he's a cracking player, and I think in a good couple of years, he, he will develop into a really, really top, top, top player. Um, but he's just technic- his technical ability is lacking for me right now. But when like, you're looking up front, like, so like, Martial, he just kind of seems to, if things aren't going, going Man United's way, he seems to wrap his tits in fairly early. Yeah, he just sucks um, as well to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Cavani could maybe we could like consider the percent a potential leader, but captains generally need to be able to play most games of the season. Yeah. Obviously, we're seeing that you know Cavani's not got he's not got a fifty game season in him. Um, you know, I just don't, I don't understand why Harry Maguire's wearing that armband at the minute. Uh, I know some people don't think it's important. I value it very very much. I think like a team the team the captain is as much the face of the team as almost as a, almost as a manager is, and obviously all like on social. 
He's a B-class. He's a B-list manager for me. Totally out of his depth. He's only had a job from the good graces of Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> and the dumb luck that he happened to get Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> 100%. If, if they didn't have Fernandes, you know. Just, I'm just looking now and Fernandes has um, scored and assisted 26 goals altogether in just 24 games since February. And you just think that's ridiculous, you know. But who else in that United team scoring apart from Fernandes? And you can't think of anybody. I mean, some of their woes this season, you know, they've they've scored three Premier League goals all season at home. And that's ridiculous uh, when you think about it. You know, what, three what, goals what? at home, for, just in general, all season. It's all they scored. What, so three, three Premier League goals? They've scored three Premier League goals this season at, at Old Trafford. Oh, at Old Trafford, I was going to say. Uh, no, at Old Trafford, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I said at home, you were quite listening. You need to say you put your ear in back in. Nah, no, no. Had a few glasses in old, you know. Um, <laughs> what, what about the Man United goalkeeper situation? Who is it? Is it Hendleton? Hendleton or here? Here, the big guy to play in that um, in for the me, Champions League. For me, it's I. I personally would would go with Henderson. Um, Surely he's got he's got a lot of guilty in Henderson in terms of if he does become the Man United number one, then he probably will slot into the England number one. This is it, you know. The hair is not playing at an international level anymore. It's not like he's not experienced in the Premier League. You know, he played a full season last season and he was brilliant. He's played a yeah. couple of times this season and he's been fine. He's not done anything wrong. But I think at the moment United need fine. They need a keeper that's just not going to do anything wrong. You know that. That's uh, where that's where Chelsea went and got one. This is it. Them right out. That's it, you know? I mean, you think think of Chelsea pre Mendy. Think of Chelsea pre Mendy. Different stop. side, isn't it? Yeah, different side, Definitely. completely different side. That's one player change, uh, and that side is playing completely different football. It's the same with Liverpool when they had Carrius, wasn't it? You know, we look, we you know, looking back at Liverpool when you look back now and you think it's a completely different team. Yeah, I mean, I still remember the days of season seventeen, eighteen, of like the back line. <laughs> the back line was like like sixteen between sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. It was like Klein, Lovren, Ragnar Clavin, Alberto Moreno, Miggs, a lot of carries and goal. Uh, it weren't a great but looking back line, but front and midfield, we looked, we looked fantastic. Um, but yeah, sorting out that back line. But that, that's the thing, back lines, back lines win titles. This is it. You know, you look back at any Premier League winning side, their back line wins them a league, don't they? And we, you know, we saw that with Liverpool. So, um, you know, it's all well and good being attacking and scoring goals, but you've got to, you've got to be able to defend as well. And and Liverpool showed that you strengthened that back line, and, and you will win the league, and they did. Um, and that's that's you know quite simply how it's got to be, in my opinion. I think so as well. I mean, like I th- Dean Anderson get a run of games, do the same do the same for Man United, but but Mendy did for Chelsea. In terms of just stabilised that back line, stop being. I mean, they exited the Champions League just purely on on the on in the on the back line. In my opinion, um, making silly mistakes. So, silly mistakes. If you're doing that in a major tournament, they're obviously going to pay. And they did pay. They cashed out into the Europa, Europa League. Welcome into Thursday nights. You know what I mean? It's and you know if if you have a commanding keeper or you have a commanding centre back, you don't concede that that pivotal goal. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, he just he sort of crumbled, didn't he, with that last goal? Um, but I know Paul Scholes was very very critical of him when it happened and. At first, you know, I didn't. I, didn't, I wouldn't say I didn't see it, but I was like, yeah, I remember watching it and I was like, oh, it's not that bad. And then when you watch it back again, you go, oh, actually, yeah, that's dreadful. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was, it didn't do them a great look, did it? I don't think so, mate. I don't think so. Right. Anyway, 
predictions, Man, Man, uh, the Man United derby. For me, I'm going 3 1 City. I am going to go 2 1 to United. I'm going to go the opposite way, just to be controversial <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> well, we'll see you on Monday. We'll see you on Monday who's laughing. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on, Chelsea Everton. The Carl the Carlo Ancelotti Derby. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it um what do we think? Um I can't look past Chelsea in this. Um, you know, Everton are missing Rodriguez, Delph obviously he's not gonna play, and and you know, Seamus Coleman as well. There's that's for me, you know, two or three big players for Everton that aren't gonna be there that they potentially do need. Um so I can't look past Chelsea and the way Chelsea are playing so far this season. I think uh, since, like you say, since the goalkeepers come in, really, they've looked really, really, really good. Um, and yeah, I can't look past Chelsea in this game, but I'm hoping it'll be very entertaining. I think it will be. Well, it depends on how Carlo um, lines up. I think if he goes to the fight, the back five, I don't think that that'll be the way to go. Um, I mean, we've seen that. Um, what was Everton's last game where we sort of analysed it who, who did they have again where they played the back five Fab, Fab and Delph come off they had to go to the 4-3-3 and then he just looked a much better side um, last week wasn't it yeah it was last week it uh, was Burnley Burnley yeah Burnley managed to get the point but they did start with the back five didn't they yeah um, yeah I don't I just don't think that's the way to go I just don't like a comfortable play with Allen clearly can't play in a back two he clearly can't play in a back two it's not where he's played his trade it's not where He's used to playing in the number two. He needs to be able to sit deeper, and he needs to have more than one option for the pass because that's where the, that's where his his game lies. Is being able to switch play left to right and dictate the tempo of the game. It is really really hard to do that if you're playing and just a two, and you need to do the running, you need to do the hard yards, you need to pass quick and make the, make quick decisions. And sometimes you need to ping a ball and uh, put a rough challenge in. You know, I think they need a, an extra man in midfield if they want to utilise Allen properly. And the thing is, they can do that in a, in a free because like, like they did look against Burnley. They did look the better side when they went in that 4 3 3, even though the back line was all sort of just mashed. I mean, we had Vincent Awobi playing as a fullback, like a proper fullback. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a bit silly. I mean, uh, but I, I think, yeah, the midfield looked much, much, much stronger. And given the quality of Chelsea's midfielders, um, to go with just that two and expect Allen and Dekuri to do the job on their own might, might be a wee bit naive, to be honest, yeah, given I, Chelsea's quality. I don't think um, that's what I mean. I, I think in this sort of game for Everton, it's, it's these little things that are going to make the difference. And I just feel like they just don't... don't you know, I mentioned it the other week when we spoke about Everton. I feel like Ancelotti's got a good start in eleven, but once you take one or two people out of that, that's when you'll see them struggle. And you know, we're seeing that now that Rodriguez and like so Coleman and Delph are injured, and now they're having to you know use their bench players and their squad players, and they just don't for me have that strength to be able to 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 get their starting eleven. If they don't have the starting eleven, they don't have the strength to to win 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 games as, as effectively as they could and I think this is going to be one of those games for them it's going to be tough it's going to be sort of frustrating for Everton fans to be watching but you know it'll come strange but thing I do, I do think I, I do think it is a project with Carlo um, I don't think it's like Solskjaer but it's just but it's just a guy just just holding on to his job for like <laughs> for dear life I don't think that is the case with, with Carlo I think Carlo could lose a lot of games in a row and people would still understand the bigger picture because he's had that form at the biggest at the beginning of the season he had all 11 of the players he wanted on the pitch fit um, and they won five games in a row that can't be overlooked because if they, they weren't fluke wins all the players looked Really, really good. Um, obviously, the fullbacks that they're missing, Lucadinia and Seamus Coleman, they were pivotal in that form. Um, obviously, once players started dropping out, uh, they really, 
that's when they really started to struggle. And maybe still are, still are sort of living in that struggle. But they need to learn to, to live life without without those players. And I think in the January window, we may see Everton be a wee bit active because of um, the form they displayed at the beginning of the season. I think that would have worked. Carl would have won a bit of favour with the board, a bit of trust. I mean, he would have had that trust anyway just because of the name Carl Ancelotti. But I think he would have got that and basically saying, look, this is what I can deliver you with the players with the players I want. You know, if you give me the back, if you give me squad depth and, you know, I'll deliver you. So I'll deliver European football, which is ultimately obviously what Everton want to pay, to pay for that fancy new stadium that's coming. This is it. I feel, I, I agree, um, Everton won't, you know, I, I can't. I don't think they could ever sack Carlo Ancelotti because you can't get, in my opinion, outside of the the other, you know, top six sort of managers. You can't get better in world football, not just in the Premier League, but in world football than Carlo Ancelotti. And the fact they managed to get him there in the first place, you know, speaks volumes. And you know, I I don't think that I don't think Everton fans are, are, are ever potentially want to see the back of Carlo Ancelotti. He's he's building a project, isn't he, Evan? And this is the start of that project. You know, he's been there what a season. He's bought in one or two players already, and you know they've made. You know Rodriguez has been um, he's been brilliant since he's joined in the majority of games that he's played. Alan's made a difference. The Cure's made a difference. You know these are the types of players that he's trying to bring into Everton to make them harder to beat. Because I feel like at times, you know, last season and the season before put a bit of pressure onto Everton and they sort of crumbled. Whereas Carlos, obviously, he's trying to just stop that rot and make make it harder to beat them. Um, and I think he is starting to do that, you know. But that was that was that was a vision of last season, wasn't it? If that's why he implemented that four four two system, it was kind of off the back of what, what Duncan Ferguson brought yeah. actually. And I think Duncan did a, a really good job of stabilising Everton, um, because they could have went into free fall and following the Sacco, uh, the sacking of Mar- uh, Marco Silva. I do think it was a, a good decision by the by the board to bring in a player like Duncan, Fer- Duncan Ferguson because it gave it gave a lot of the players a good feel factor. Gave a lot of fans a good feel factor. They got a bounce off it, and then they tipped up their world class manager. I mean, whoever's whoever's running stuff behind the scene at Everton has done a, a cracking job over the past sort of sixteen months. I would say because once Carlo came in and he did kind of look at that four four two, analyze it, and kind of maybe adjusted that a wee a wee touch, not too much. Uh, and you know, he's made the best of the players that he's had. He's I think he's improved all the players that have played under Carlo at Everton. have improved their game slightly. I would probably say. Dominic Carvalhoen has maybe took it up a full next level and really maybe realising just how good a forward he can be because, God, he had built to be a superb yeah. forward. Uh, <laughs> you just look at him and he's, he's tall and physical and he's winning headers all over the box and well, it must be an absolute nightmare um, to play to play against. Um, so I think he's doing as a, a project and I think I think any any Everton fan that kind of knows anything about football will understand it's not it's not years it's it's not years. I mean, if they can get into Europa, I think <laughs> they'll consider this a, a a really successful season. Um, if they can get top half uh, and improve their football and stabilise, I think that will be considered a reasonable season as well. Maybe maybe a little bit underwhelming, but a reasonable season. Uh, following on to another two transfer windows, and I think we will start to actually see Everton playing some good football regularly. Yeah, I agree. I think. Definitely, if they get European football this season, it's a success. Um, the you know it's the start of something, isn't it? If you get European football, it's it's the catalyst for the next step up. It's the next level where you want to be because you know players want to play in Europe and they want to they want to prove themselves against the best players in the world. And if I feel like Carlo Ancelotti would would attract even more players to Everton than, than he can already uh, if they were in Europe as well. Um, but um, well, I think the squad is already filled with Europe. This is it. It's, you know, it is, it is already, it's already at that level. Um, 
But like you say, Calvert Lewin, um, a brilliant, brilliant player, brilliant striker, and I think Ancelotti started to get the best out of him now as well. Um, which is, yeah, he's always been a menace, hasn't he? He's always sort of scored, and you know, this season, I think he's, um, he needs, you know, he needs one goal now to match his tally from last season already, and we're, you know, we're in December, so it says everything, isn't it? And he will go beyond that. I think he'll, he'll be definitely top five um, of the top scorers. I think he could get the golden boot um, if he carries on with the, you know, as projected, he could get it. Um, but you know, we need to see. We need to see. Everton need to need a little bit of luck. They need players to return. They need Dingy back. They need Seamus Coleman to come back. They probably need to have a bit of business in January. They need to look at the goalkeeper situation. Really? Um, I think the cracking centre backs. Uh, uh, Everton really, really good centre backs. Everton, you know, I got a solid. How many have they got? Four. I think Yerimina, um, Godfrey. I think can play as a centre back and a left back. Um, uh, obviously, Yerimina. Uh, and Michael Keane, I, I, I do think they're kind of sorted, and they do have the the the, the spine of a good back line, um, minus the keeper. I think they actually need to address that situation um, because unless John Pickford really turns it around with some meaning meaningful form, I don't I don't see him in the long term in Carlo's long term picture. I so don't either. I don't think um, I don't think Pickford for me is a long term goalkeeper at Evan. Not at all. Um, I don't think he matches what, not just what Carlo wants, but I don't think he matches Everton anymore either. He's, he's, he's just so error prone, isn't he? Like, he, And what annoys me about him as well is when he makes a mistake is he takes out on everyone else. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> he's always punching. Yeah, he's always, you know, having a go at the defenders. and he's at the time and stuff like that. It just doesn't, it look, doesn't look great. And, um, you know, he's just, for me, I mean, that's like a lot of top class keepers do that. I mean, that's always been that picky, but we do have a, a strong bias. Yeah, I mean, we've been, you know what, we've been talking about Everton for like ten minutes now, and we've not, we've not, we've not slapped right. them on. Draw a line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'd be generous in some things. We'll set up. I think we'd be generous. Any fan listening to this would be like, oh, you know, you wouldn't think those two are Liverpool fans, but <laughs> now it's coming out. We think Pickford shit. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. He's got little arms. <laughs> he's got little red arms, and, uh, and he's just a bastard, and not in a good way. <laughs> but uh, right, let, let's go. Here. Let, let's draw a line in the sand, right? You know, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on, and then we'll come straight back to it on Monday. We're a bit slack, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, let's just quickly touch on Southampton, Sheffield United, Southampton, and some. Some great form, Ralph Hasenhüttl, big fan of his work. I really do think he has the players playing for him. He does have those generals on the pitch. Um, James Ward Prowse has really come into the role of captain. Um, he leads for the front. I think Sheffield United, and it's the first kick off of the game as well. Sheffield United, obviously, they need to be looking at every game and just thinking we need something. We need something from this game. Um, I don't really think he's going to get anything though. Just wild up. Do you know what? I know they're your favourite club. Um... <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I agree with you. Um, <laughs> I can't see them getting anything. Um, especially, I've just been reading that Danny Ings is potentially back as well. So for me, that if he definitely starts, then that signals it all for me. I mean, they came, they came close against Leicester. They came close. 
So they are, maybe are improving. And they did have, you know, they probably played the better football against West Brom and didn't get the result. Unlucky against Leicester, obviously Jamie Vardy. He just loves ruining someone's yeah. day. He's a Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> fan. And I think he... You know, he's that good a footballer. I think he maybe left it on oh, purpose to like the fucking the last minute of the fucking match, just so it could <laughs> just sort of hurt even more. Um, I thought I think maybe it was a bit unfair. Sheffield go, didn't walk away with a point in that game, but as well as an actual football, you got is you got to play the whistle. You got to play the whistle, and I don't think they've got an easy challenge against Southampton, who are flying in terms of the quality of players they have, um, and the players are improving. The spine of the team is looking really, really good for Southampton. I don't want to stay on them for too long because we've got other things to talk about. And I want to say more sort of high-profile things um, because we're going to talk about the team at the top of the table. Them Spurs, they've got Palace. What do we think? Uh, I think it's it could be a good game, you know. Um, Zaha is he's fit, isn't he? So he's going to play. and he's always, Ben Turkey's playing. <laughs> 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 oh, he got he got two, two goals. He scored two goals after scoring one goal in like fifty so games or something. It's such, it's such a ridiculous yeah, he got two goals last se- last weekend, which means he he managed two goals in his last thirty one league appearances before that. So uh, it says everything <laughs> you need to know about about Ben okay. <laughs> But he did score two. Zaha's always dangerous. Um, it it. Well, it's it's that, it's that strange thing, Jake, where two counter-attacking sides come against yeah, each yeah. other and someone's got to have the ball. Some, someone's got to have the ball. Spurs are clearly happy to play without the ball. Crystal Pass are clearly happy to play without the ball. Um, you can't... It's just where they can, can't... It's it, you know, both teams just leave it in the middle of the pitch and um, <laughs> leave it. <laughs> or, but no, I think this could be a really good game. Um, you know, if Tottenham... If Tottenham decide that they want to have a grasp of it, it'll be interesting to see how they play differently because they'll be expected to have the ball, if you know what I mean. Rather than being that attack counter-attacking side, um, they'll have to sort of be the side that now has to break the other team down. Um, but they've got the quality. They've got the quality in that team to do it. Son and Harry, absolutely. Well, well, well Harry Kane plays deep then. I, you know, I don't... I, I think he'll up. advance further up. I think him and Son will be sort of the fairest players up the pitch and they'll sort of be expecting the other players to give them the ball in that sort of final third and let them to sort of do what they have been doing so well. I think so. I think so. I mean, Spurs are just looking, you know, they just, they're really, everybody is buying in. Everybody at Spurs are associated with Spurs, the players, the background, the, the fans, they're all just buying into Jose Mourinho. And I, didn't, I said at the beginning, there's so many sceptical people about what Jose Mourinho could do and I thought it was such a perfect fit and if you go back to the Spurs documentary it's like he just had this like 10 point plan it was like day one fucking get Daniel Levy starstruck Daniel Levy's like oh my god it's Jose Mourinho <laughs> day two get Harry Kane on side gets Harry Kane in the office tells him he's the best striker he's ever seen <laughs> and he's going to be a fucking world champion <laughs> step three get Danny Rose out <laughs> 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 that was an awkward oh, conversation. Yeah, I know Inter's in, interested in me. Yeah, I don't know. No. We've got Newcastle, yeah. you know? Newcastle. Steve, Steve Bruce won, yeah. Steve Bruce is on the point. <laughs> An- Antonio Conte, Milan. I can see it now. No, it's Steve Bruce, pie and chips in Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go be one of Bruce's boys? Joe Linton's looking for a link-up. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
but yeah, he's just he's. Do you know what? He just like he's just he's like a he's like an infection, Josie. And he just he's. His vibe just has just spread through that club, and they've just went from being like, like, like they were saying before, they went and just, oh, I taught them too nice, turned into like these fucking lethal bastardos that are just hit you on the break, just relentlessly, you know, they're winning shit house tackles, winning fouls, you know, going down. And it's, do you know what I mean? And the, he's got his generals now as well. You know, he's, he's just one Eric Dyer over. Hoiberg is just like the general in the middle of the pitch, just doing all sorts of running, coming back. He's one minute he's a centre back, then he's a left back, then he's a right back, then he's a central midfielder. He's just all over the guy. Um, and he's obviously Sosoko, who's not a very technically gifted football footballer, but he's just utilising him um, to his strengths. You know, he's he's fast, he's he's big and strong, and you know what I mean. And he can, he can actually ping a ball in a general direction. You know? I just uh, <laughs> get it to go somewhere. Like you say there, I feel like he's just got them um, playing. You know, like Mourinho ball, hasn't he? It's that classic Jose Mourinho play. Just be hard to beat, and hopefully we'll get a goal. And you know they've not just been getting a goal; they've you know they've actually been playing some really good football as well. Um, the front two, like Son and Kane, have been so good as well. You know, so good to watch. I think the most prolific partnership in Europe in terms of um, goals and assists to yeah. each other. Um, yeah, I mean it's just. You know, like like I said, he just he just he got his generals down the middle of the pitch. Like got got to keep it outside. Also got Hugo Lloris on side. Let him keep the captaincy. Eric Dyer's his go-to. He's, now he's got Hoiberg in the centre of midfield. Harry Kane obviously he's just flourishing under Josie uh, in terms of bringing a wee bit extra to his game um, defensively, uh, and, and his hold-up play has obviously improved as well. So it's just uh, he's got yeah he's got this Spurs side playing Josie well, and it's been what has it been 15, 16 months. Yeah, something like that, isn't it? It's been about that sort of length now. And it, so it didn't take long. In fact, it's not even been that I long. Think, I think it's, it's been a year, is it? Like yeah, it's not, I think I'm, I'm overestimating. From what from what he's done in potentially a short time, and it's just, to me, I find it really difficult to, to criticise Josie because he's just so good at the comebacks. Because uh, I remember there was a journalist trying to say, oh, you know that Manchester City had 78% possession of the ball. Um, and Josie said they, they can keep the ball they can take it home I'll take home yeah, brilliant <laughs> absolutely brilliant I love him I just love how, how uh, sort of ruthless he is and I love do you know what I, I, I was speaking to one of our mates he was a United fan and you know he said that he hated Mourinho as, when he was at United but but he loves watching him. He nice. loves watching him elsewhere because he's so funny. He's so charismatic, isn't he? And, mm-hmm. You know, like you say, I remember, you know, when I watched that Spurs documentary, you know, the only sort of stuff that I knew about Mourinho was was on, the, you know, his interviews and stuff like that. And I just thought, you know, he's this moaning, sort of whining sort of person that when he doesn't get his own way, he just criticises everyone else. But sort of after watching that, that's, that Spurs documentary, I thought, like, do you know what, I thought he was brilliant. And I was like, he's absolutely, yeah. he's, you can see why he's such a character and he's he's so real as well, isn't he? And I love that about him. Turns up day one and tells everybody they've got to play like Yes, yeah. amazing. <laughs> like Harry Kane had like day one, just says, I'm, I'm like pretty much in... Just to cut it down, he just, he just says, oh, I'm going to make you the best centre-forward in the world if you buy into my yeah. project. And Hurricane's like, fuck yeah, yeah my man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he's um, he's uh, he's very good. And I think Tottenham have got a good chance of, of something this season. And I think that if, you know, if you're a Spurs fan, you can't, to me as a Spurs, if I was a Spurs fan, you know, I'd be looking at um, the top four and a trophy as a, as a massive success and 
because I feel like Spurs fans at the moment, all they want is a trophy, isn't it? That's all they want. They've spent so long like wanting to get a trophy, and that now they're they've got a manager who's a serial winner as well, and he he loves to win, like he says, and he he will do anything to win. Um, and he's not scared to get his hands dirty, and I feel I feel like Spurs have, have a good chance of getting a trophy. You know what I mean? I think under Pochettino, it's like they were just everybody. It was like a they had that real family vibe, right? Like around the club, and it between him and the players, that doesn't necessarily win titles. And I think some people might argue that the Klopp has that sort of vibe around Liverpool. It really doesn't. Know what I mean, because me and you both watch we we watch friendlies uh, pre-season stuff. Um, and pretty much every Liverpool game. How many times have we seen Klopp absolutely rip a player a new one? The thing is, we're like, you know, all the players sort of say it, like, you know, he's he's their best friend, he's their dad, he's their mentor all at once, but at the end of the day, he's still the boss, and he's the boss first, no matter what. Um, and, you know, all the stuff I've seen with Klopp is he's not afraid to turn around to his players and say, you're all shit, like, get back inside, you're all shit, you know, you're staying late, you have all... You've pissed me off. But then five minutes later, you know, he'll have his arms around them all. Um, and I, I feel like you need that balance of, yes, I'll be your friend, but at the end of the day, I'm still your boss. <laughs> you know, come to me with anything. Yeah. So you know, he, he does. I mean, team spirit is his, his speciality. I don't think there's any manager in, in the world better at it uh, than Jurgen Klopp. But yeah, so look at Jose Daniels built this ruthless culture uh, and I think teams need to be ruthless Man United were ruthless under Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson yeah. and no one was safe buying, constantly buying competition for Rooney constantly no matter how well he was performing to keep him under pressure um, no player was safe because um, they had a high turnover in players uh, and I think you know that's all if you're going to play at these top levels and, and compete for trophies you do it it's not it's not a family orientated <laughs> thing you do need to be a wee bit ruthless and the kind of are going to get a wee bit more um Let's say edge to their teeth, Tottenham. I would say definitely, mate. Couldn't agree more with you there. Right, shall we go over to? So Liverpool have got film. What do we think? Oh, wait. What predictions for? Obviously, if Josie wants to play. <laughs> Josie wants to play. Uh, if he wants to stay top of the team, he has to beat Roy Hodgson. I'm gonna go two one Tottenham. Two 0 Tottenham again. Close. Two 0 Tottenham. <laughs> Josie's favourite score. Right, back over to Liverpool film. I don't think he can. I, I don't think Fulham can come away. Um, the only advantage they have is that, that they're at home. Um, I still think Liverpool will be, be too much for Fulham. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, Liverpool probably have got, just got that little bit of extra up front, definitely. You know, while you know that they're missing a lot of players at the back, that, you know, it's still not exactly dreadful, is it? You know, that back line's still really solid and dependable. And But that midfield and front three or front four, you know, whatever... Jürgen Klopp decides to play depending on whether Diego Jota is going to be fit enough um, it, 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 if for me it's too much for, for Fulham um, again especially if Allison's back as well because you know there's contention he might be back in um, but you, you know you never know football's a strange old thing isn't it um, uh, stranger uh, things uh, have definitely happened than... do you remember in, was it 17-18 uh, Liverpool bet Man City I think that's when Ox so, ah, was that? I was the one where Ox scored that fucking screamer and then the following beat got beat by Huzzle. Yeah, Huzzle. you know. <laughs> the bottom of the table. Like, um, you know, it's... It, that doesn't happen anymore with Liverpool. No, that's it. I think Liverpool have got this ruthless yeah. streak now, haven't they? Where, you know, yeah. growing up as a kid, it was sort of dreaded these types of games because it was... These are the games that you'd lose, you know, going back to 
Well, there's nothing, nothing to gain, everything to lose. Um, although I do think, I, I really don't think Fulham will have, I mean, they are looking better, they are looking better, they are making improvements. Uh, whether that will keep them up, I'm not sure. I mean, like I said, ask me after Christmas. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, so I'll be a, I'll be a, a, a free, free, free now to Liverpool. I'm going to go 2-0, 2-0 on that one. Right, over to a team <laughs> near the bottom of the league. <laughs> Arsenal. Oh, 15th. wow. It's nearly Christmas, Jake, and Arsenal are 15th. Do you think they'll stay up? <laughs> At the moment, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the way they've been... Get off the fence. The way, yeah, the way they've been playing, mate. I, they've been shocking, haven't they? I, I don't, obviously, they're not good. What happened? Like, I was like, I'm sure, was I not praising Arteta? Like, you we were, did. you know. I remember the start. Well, I remember at the start of the season, you know, we spoke about it. And uh, when when Arsenal beat Liverpool in the, the, I know it's only the Community Shield, but they, you know, Liverpool, we had such a hard game. I I was watching it, thinking, fuck, it, you know, I was like, I was watching it, and I was like, bloody hell, this is this is hard. This we you know we're struggling here against this Arsenal side, and um, and then now they look just they've got nothing, have they? They look dreadful. They're not firing on any front. Um, their players. Don't look like they want to be there. Arteta looks like he's never played football, never mind managed before. Um, why are they? Cons- why are they insisting on crossing a ball in at head at head tight to Aubameyang? Why is that an insistence that give the ball to Tierney and Bellerin, cross the ball in at head height? I just don't. When have we seen Aubameyang score any of those goals? When? Like why? Why even have like if you if you want if you want that type of player. Like go get Mitrovic, yeah. <laughs> or some big fucking striker. I just, I just, yeah, like one of I just don't know what, what sort of happened to Arsenal. You know, at the start of the season, they, they look, looked, they looked, they looked really good. But now, I, I genuinely can't really see what they can do to change it. Um, like what was it? The last game they got like thirty fucking crosses in or something. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, so they are improving. No, they're not. Yeah, <laughs> they're not the you know, it's even, even you know, even in midweek. You know, they played Don Dalk from from Ireland, and you know they still conceded two goals. And you know that's I know it's I know it's a fucking stupid. I, I know it's a dead rubber game against in the Europa League, but those are the sorts of games where you've got to be keeping clean sheets now, just to build some confidence and build a bit of a run of staying solid. And you know, if they can't keep a clean sheet against a team like that, well, who are they going to keep a clean sheet against? Do you know, do you know what I mean? Um, but you know, they they had the, the it was the North London derby last week and. They were, they were dreadful. Tottenham, Mourinho, absolute masterclass against them. He, you know, he showed Arteta exactly. You know, you come, you go to Tottenham. This is what you expect. This is what's going to happen. Um, and Arteta sort of fell right into the trap of of that. And do you know what? If, they, if you compare it in the terms of like, I know Frank Lampard is a slightly more experienced manager than Arteta, um, and obviously has a really good team around him. Uh, Frank Lampard didn't fall into the, the Jose Mourinho trap of committing too many bodies forward, but Arsenal insisted on doing it. They insisted on committing yeah. too many. I mean, for, so they had 70% possession, Arsenal, right? Uh, and they managed from that 70% uh, in their 632 passes, double the amount of passes that Tottenham made. They managed to amalgate two shots on target. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, do you know what I mean? Uh, and Josie said after that game, you know, possession is for for the poets and philosophers. You know what I mean? And it, it just it just made it so easy, so easy for Tottenham. And he can't use experience um, as a as an excuse that he'd fell into that trap because 
they've got managers in the league of similar experience, similar level, um, or possibly at a higher level, actually, that, that aren't falling out of a trap. And he has a full team of data analysts, coaches, and everything that must be telling him if we commit too many bodies forward, Tottenham will hit us in the break. They did it to one of the best sides in Europe, Man City. Yeah, I just... So I think it was, just, it was either naivety or arrogance in the North London derby. I th- do you know what? I um, think it was sort of a... I'm not, a, a I feel like it was a slight bit of both, but more sort of naivety. More like he, I feel like he felt like he could take Mourinho on his own game and sort of and beat him at it. But you know, yeah, Arrogance. and he, you know, and it was a bit of like naivety in the fact that he thought, you know, he maybe thought that they would do that as well, and that he could go one toe or toe to toe with Mourinho. And you know, Jose just showed all of his experience, didn't he? And, and just said, no, this is what you can. Yeah, I'll suck you in. You know, it, was, it was like a. It was like a boxing match, wasn't it? You know, he, he was he suckered him in, and you know, and, and the Tottenham gave him the knockout, you know, not once but twice, and that was it. Um, Arsenal didn't look like they had anything. I thought Bellerin was shocking as well last week, and just Arsenal, Arsenal in general were just really poor. And I just, you know, the more I watch Arsenal, the more I actually sort of not, yeah, yeah, the more I, more I sort of look at them and just think. It's not like they can look at their bench and go, right, I've got someone on there who's, who can save me here because they can't. Like, they haven't got that. Well, they, they can. They've got good players on the bench, mate. They've got good players on the bench. They've got better players on the bench than the majority of the sides do in the Premier you, League. I'd say better players on the bench than at least 10 sides in the Premier you, League. Do you bring um, back? So I just I think it's not naive and arrogance of last week. And now he's got to go and face Sean Dice. Sean Dice, I'll tell you what, mate. He's going to be looking at this game and fucking yeah, looking his legs. 100%. This is the sort of team at the moment, the way Arsenal are playing, that, 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 that it's made for a Dice sort of, you know, it's exactly what Dice likes, isn't it? The team that's, they hate that. They've hated it for years, Arsenal. People that are going to be physical against them, teams that are going to, you know, threaten them. You know, you see that under Wenger, when Wenger was there, but Stoke, you know, he hated playing Stoke and he hated playing teams like Stoke and Burnley because you know, he, he thought football, you know, in his head was to be played along the floor and he hated the fact that he was in the air and so did his players. And I feel like it sort of got in their heads a little bit. And I feel like potentially Burnley could, be, again, be one of those places where it happens for Arsenal. Sean Dice has a game in hand for this game. So if he does win that, he will go out of the relegation zone ahead of Fulham. Um, I think, yeah, like, like I said, Sean Dice got to be looking at this game thinking I'm going to use all my experience as a manager here, I'm going to out-physical Arsenal. Um, there's no way that Aubameyang's going to... Like, Ben, ben me and Tarkovsky. Aubameyang going to win a fucking head no against chance. them. Give me a break. Give me a fucking break. If he doesn't change his system, it'll be through arrogance and naive. I agree with you. I don't... But the thing is, no, I, don't think he, right, I don't think right, he will. Right I don't think he changes it. Yeah, they are. Not a chance. Yeah, they are. What are you going for? I'm going for... I'm going... 2 one 2-1. Two, I'm going I'm going to draw. I'm going 1-1. One, one. I think they should be happy with a point. Yeah, I agree. I think they should be happy for a point as well. Can I just say one thing before we finish? Absolutely. Up? Liverpool need to sign Gino Wijnaldum's contract. Do you know what? Uh, <laughs> give Wijnaldum, Jürgen Klopp, if you hear anything about this, give Genie Wijnaldum whatever he wants. Give him anything he wants because that man, you know, I think I read a stat the other day. He started something like 11 games in something like four weeks and it's just a testament to who he is. There's only like there's only like two players in Europe that have started, two two players in the top five leagues in Europe that have start, started more games or played more minutes in this season. Both of them are going. You know, and the other thing I read as well, with since he signed for Liverpool, he's missed 67 days through injury. That was like nearly like five years ago and he's he's missed two months 
of any and of anything. It's a testament to him. He's a fantastic player. He's one of my favourite players to watch uh, at Liverpool for his on the ball work, his off the ball work. I think he's brilliant. Um, I know my my girlfriend absolutely loves Jeannie Wijnaldum. Uh, I love Jeannie Wijnaldum. I know everyone who's Liverpool fan. Everyone that's a Liverpool fan loves Jeannie Wijnaldum, and I'd love him to sign a new contract. So Jurgen Klopp, get that man a new deal. <laughs> three more, three yeah, more, please, three more years. Well, that's going to do us for the day. Um, like I said, we did some admin this week. We've got a Discord group coming. It's going to be really cool. We've got um, a website coming. Uh, we've got giveaways coming. Barcelona shop, Bayern Munich shop. Follow us on Twitter. All those links are down in the, dis- uh, in the description. Uh, and we shall see you on Monday to see if everything we said was right. <laughs> probably. It's going to be the complete opposite. Probably not um, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Cheers, bye. <laughs>